Hello and welcome to the Interfish Podcast, where we bring you the most interesting and compelling seafood news. I'm Drew Cherry, Editor-in-Chief, and I'm joined today by John Fiorillo, Executive Editor. This will be the final podcast that we will be producing prior to the U.S. presidential election. Thank God, because I don't know how much more any of us can take. So on the seafood front, it's going to have a lot of implications, and we're going to talk about those today because uh, anytime there is a Republican versus a Democrat, there's some basic conversations about how the business world will be impacted. But this is a very, very, very different election and a very, very different set of candidates uh, and a very different time, uh, and, and I could go on and on, of course, but we're going to get into the Wayback Machine, and we're going to go back to uh, November 2016. John, if you can remember that time, uh, it was a shock, to say the least, uh, obviously to the whole world. And just in our review and preparation for this discussion, um, it was interesting to see us come to grips with what the Trump presidency was going to mean. And uh, we lined out a few, uh, we had a few projections for what might happen. And I thought we'd talk about those today, see how close we were. Uh, and just, um, you know, we can look at a few things that, uh, that, we, um, that we noticed as the, uh, as the administration went along that hopped out. Um, I'm going to go ahead and get started. So right after the election, I wrote a column called The Good, The Bad, and The Uh-Oh. And John, uh, you just took a look at it. So let's see how close I was to some of the things to be concerned about. I am not going to talk about my own own work in glowing terms, but by all means, John, if you would like to, go ahead. Well, you actually did pretty good. So this was written and published in November, uh, just after the election. Uh so we'll look at, you broke them down, good, bad, and the uh-oh, and there aren't a lot of them. So I'm just going to kind of go through them real quick here, and then we can keep going. Uh, you, the good, under the good, lower oil prices. And I think uh, I think they got a lot lower, but I don't think Trump had anything to do with that. The, the idea was that U.S. production would increase and drive down kind of uh, global prices. And uh, while that's true to a degree, there's a lot more going on there. Your second good was aquaculture in the U.S. may get a boost. Well, that one you were spot on. Uh, As we all know, the offshore aquaculture uh, executive order is now uh, being implemented, and there's some legislation back alive that may, uh, may also forward this. So, um, yeah, so that's good. However, I will point out that land-based aquaculture has been booming without any real help from the feds. So I'll just throw that in there too. Uh, good times for homegrown was another good thing. You saw that with this nationalistic fervor that came with the administration that there'd be a lot more support and whatever for homegrown catfish and Gulf shrimp, for example. Um, I, I don't know that we really, I mean, they tried to ramp up, they always try to ramp up trade restrictions to protect those two, uh, sectors, but I don't think they've done anything significant there. And uh, another good was the infrastructure. Uh, 
the grandiose promise that he was going to rebuild America's roads, bridges, blah, blah, blah. No, did not happen. Didn't even build his wall. Um, well, built parts of it, but not in the way he said. And as far as I know, you and I and all the other taxpayers are paying for it. Uh, not Mexico. Uh, the bad, the trade war. Yeah, you were right on with this one, Drew. Uh, you predicted that uh, America closes its doors on countries such as China, kind of sparking this trade retaliation, and God knows that's that happened. Um, let's see, you talked about uh, consumption, as far as uh, a result of spending and those types of things. Um, well, uh, this one we can't really say much about because the pandemic blew everything up and consumption looked like, seafood consumption, I should say, looked like it was going to continue to be flat, but early indications are because of the changes inspired by COVID and people cooking at home and more seafood is being consumed. We'll see. we got to see the final numbers, but there's... Uh, there's uh, evidence to suggest that. And your last uh, bad was immigration. Um, we know processing and fishing companies depend on uh, foreign workers. And uh, I don't even know where to start on immigration. It's been, uh, it's been all over the board. Uh, largely, I think it will be measured as a debacle when it's all said and done but um you know maybe maybe not who knows i don't see, i don't see that really f uh affected seafood companies too much but i might i might be missing that well okay so we've got a good skeleton there of things some of those uh i appreciate all the i appreciate you reading all those things and and praising the ones that were right and glossing over the ones that were very very wrong but <laughs> <laughs> because some of this was not that difficult to extrapolate. But there, you know, in drilling down a little bit more on these, um, it is fairly interesting, in particular the protectionism, because I had forgotten just how hard he had ridden that into the White House. I mean, it's, it's just become, there's been so much noise. The past three years feels like 30 years. So it's interesting to, to visit you know, this commentary, and then you did, uh, you did several, Rachel Mother did several, um, and, you know, right after the election and in the run up to it. But it's fascinating to see um, kind of a list of the campaign promises and how those ended up playing out. And I, I think the one that ultimately um, had the biggest impact is certainly the trade war. Hmm. Um, and that was that has been pure chaos um, for seafood companies. Um, it hasn't it doesn't make sense when you have a product that's 80 percent imported or so um, to and a, a huge volume from China to be having a, a trade war there and um, and uh, and then saying that it's going to um, benefit businesses and not cost consumers. Of course, it costs consumers. Uh, and it's certainly not good for the seafood industry, but you could say that for a lot of industries as well. Uh, the trade deficit, in fact, rose. So, um, you know, there, there's that. Um, but, but I, I wonder what you think, John, about, um, uh, about a potential Biden administration, 
uh, or a second term of Trump, um, what do you think might change in terms of trade, in terms of China? Is there any any reason to think that there'll be a, a different approach purely from a trade perspective? Well, I mean, I would think a Biden administration would try and reverse some of the hostilities, <clears throat> excuse me, hostilities that uh, have resulted between the U.S. and China. Now, you know, China does break the rules quite a bit. So you would hope that, um, you know, we wouldn't go to a place where uh, we're not trying to keep them to their word and, and to the rule of international trade law. On the other hand, if if Trump is reelected, I would hope we wouldn't go to the side where we continue this this battle and, you know, innocent industries such as seafood get caught up in in these retaliatory trade um, uh, scenarios. And, you know, it causes a lot of confusion. There's money to be lost in this. Um, and, you know, if a, if a company, for example, loses its market in China because of this, it's not simple to just go rebuild that. I mean, it, it just isn't. So, um, yeah, that's kind of the way I see it. I mean, there's got to be a middle road approach, but China has to be held, you know, accountable for some of their actions. Well, it is going to be interesting to, you know, um, speaking of protectionism uh, and nationalism, it's going to be interesting to see um, this development of the aquaculture, of the domestic aquaculture sector that was, you know, sort of put together. I mean, they've been working on it for a while, but I, I think in, in an effort to shore up support from um, from different regions, I think the Trump administration pushed this through relatively quickly, um, or at least gave its its support to the development, um, you know, uh, relatively quickly in the run up to the election here. But I'm curious if that is going to continue. You know, under the Obama administration, actually, there was some forward progress on aquaculture and, you know, discussions about starting a, a framework. But Republican administrations tend to be, you know, they tend to try to cut red tape. I, there's so much chaos in the Trump administration. I don't know um, how much of that has been effective and efficient, um, but aquaculture is closer to being a reality. Open ocean aquaculture, or rather offshore aquaculture, is closer to being a reality than um, than it's ever been. Um, but it is something where on the uh, on the left side of the political spectrum, there can be opposition to aquaculture full stop. I feel like that has changed a bit as people have come to understand it more. And as people have come to understand issues, or at least I think environmental groups have become more aware of food security needs. And, um, and, and I think there is a lot more support for it, but I'm, I'm wondering if that's going to continue to move forward uh, or if there's going to be kind of a, um, you know, uh, up and down the uh, administration, if there's going to be people that want to stop that progress. <clears throat> Well, I mean, I, I think in this particular case, this has been very good for seafood. I mean, Noah's been trying to do something along these lines um, for 20 years with a lot of talk and no action. 
So if you if you consider the executive order as the match that relit all this and really moved it forward, then I, I see that to be the case. Now, a good sign going forward is the bill, the Aqua Act, I think it's called, that the the new one that was um, introduced recently had bipartisan support. In the past, um, the that a similar act didn't have that. So that suggests that with some Democrat support, it could um, kind of get through the environmental hurdle, you know, environmental groups who uh, generally don't like this type of stuff. So it's too early to see, and I don't know how hard uh, a Biden administration would push for this, but a lot of pieces are in place and a lot of momentum is there. So um, I kind of think that the, it has legs in, uh, well, certainly in the Trump administration, if he should win a re-election, but uh, I think it even has some legs in the Biden administration. Yeah, and I wonder too, it's aquaculture, the thing that's been interesting is aquaculture has been, um, you know, it's it seems like it's been falling more and more in this kind of ESG renewable energy space too, you know, and I think that's what's kind of interesting is I wonder in this drive to move away from fossil fuels or move towards a more green um you know, a more green economy of aquaculture, certainly land-based, might might um, fit right in that wheelhouse. Yeah, and I mean, we see the investment that's needed with land-based, the millions, hundreds of millions in some cases, um, certainly tens of millions to get these things rolling. Um, offshore aquaculture is not going to be cheap to produce. Um, yeah. You know, these, these, these are complicated uh, systems and, and what have you. So, a lot of this should should the uh, permitting get streamlined. I think that's the critical thing because investors will then be motivated to perhaps start some getting some money into this. Otherwise, I don't really see it going forward because why would you invest in something that you know is is unsure? Because at this point, it's unsure. I mean, you don't know if they'll streamline these processes uh, for regulations or if you'll still be dealing with the patchwork of nonsense that we have right now. So um, ultimately, yeah, uh, if they get that figured out, there's a good chance investors will come in and that would, that would really, you know, help take, take it to a new level. Yeah. And maybe they'll be, you know, sometimes when, when you've gone through when countries have gone through uh, a, a massive, um, challenge, um, a disaster like we've gone through with COVID, like the world's gone through with COVID. Sometimes on the other side of that, um, especially Americans can be pretty optimistic about uh, about uh, things sometimes. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if that translates into um, you know some um, some energy in the uh, in the private sector to. Uh, accelerate technology and accelerate development in in what is a really a brand new industry, and so even everything notwithstanding, uh, you are seeing just huge investments by uh, venture capital, private equity, family fund. I mean, there's a lot of money going into food tech, ag tech, 
uh, artificial intelligence, um, feed alternatives, a lot of different things that, um, again, seem to um, possibly intersect with uh, with with um, food production systems like aquaculture. So, um, yeah, and a lot of these investors now are are not saying mandated is the wrong word, but they're looking for projects that are, you know, built on sustainability, built on climate and earth friendliness, so to speak. Uh, and aquaculture obviously falls into that that realm. So that community, that environment of investors is is seeking this now, seeking what aquaculture has in spades. You know, um, it's sustainable. There's no argument about it. Also, um, the pandemic has kind of brought to the fore this idea of local food, you know, getting your food, not from China, not from wherever, but having it produced in the United States or, you know, locally somewhere nearby. And, uh, you know, again, that aquaculture wins on that, whether it's the land-based stuff we're seeing in Maine and, and Miami, or if it's, uh, you know, some farm in the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah, and I wonder if the seeds are kind of sown for um, for that to really take off too, you know, um, because I think obviously, um, you know, so many trends just were accelerated in February, um, but things don't happen overnight. So it does seem like there, uh, a lot of the groundwork has been laid for a lot of these, um, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, land-based or offshore aquaculture, it seems like there is a lot of momentum. So maybe that's something that does, uh, does continue. Um, now, okay. So, so moving from sort of where we thought things were going to be, um, let's look at, you wrote a column, um, kind of throwing out there whether or not Trump has been good for the seafood industry. Um, so let's, let's sort of, um, take a look at what we ended up, uh, seeing in a little bit more detail. Um, maybe tell us about the, the lobster industry a bit in August. Um, uh, Trump went to Maine, um, and, um, he struck a new, uh, trade deal with the EU, um, that, uh, eliminated a 8% tariff on live, uh, lobster exports. And, uh, and an up to 20% tariff on processed U.S. lobster exports to the EU. So that was kind of a win for Maine, obviously a state that Trump wants to shore up. But, um, but he also um, took a trip there and kind of did sort of a listening session um, and seemed to tell, uh, tell some of the lobster men and women there some things they wanted. Uh, there were some environmental rules that he rolled back that Obama put into place. Um, so what do you think about some of the domestic fishing sectors? So, uh, from lobster to Alaska Pollock to Alaska salmon fishing. I mean, what do you think that, uh, what do you think that, um, that, uh, this might, might mean in, in either case, if it's a continuation of Trump or if it's Biden? Yeah, it's hard to tell. I mean, if you take the lobster first, um, generally he broke that, <laughs> he broke the trade, flow uh and cause the problem uh, especially with china but he also um trump i'm speaking about he also uh did not do anything on the eu agreement that had been kind of out there waiting for action so he broke it and then he took credit for fixing it okay 
I think he probably gained a lot of support in Maine for that. Um, I don't know, but, um, you know, that may be the case going forward. I don't know what more he can do for them unless it's some sort of uh, regulation in the water um, as far as uh, what I don't know at this point. But I think he's pretty much given them all they wanted. So we'll see. We'll see where Maine votes. Uh, Pebble Mine, I guess uh, you would call that a win for him. Uh, you know, against it forever or for the mine forever. And then, you know, overnight change, change his mind, which is fine. You can change your mind if you want, but uh, without a lot of rationale or thought or anything like that. So, you know, I, I think the Alaskans are happy. I don't think they're um, pinning the... Uh, gold medal on Trump for this. I mean, the, the salmon industry has worked tire, tirelessly for, I don't know how many years to try and stop this mine. And they've been successful under the Obama administration. And then, uh, you know, things flipped for a while till Trump had his epiphany. So uh, aquaculture, we talked about with, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's done well there. Um, you know, and I, I, I won't reiterate what we just said, but um, I think people are happy with what they're seeing. And then, you know, you got the trade war, which is freaking disaster, obviously. And then uh, climate change. I mean, we don't we haven't talked about this too much, but he's a climate change denier for the most part. Um, I, I don't I can't think of any significant program related to combating climate change that has been enacted and, you know, we pulled out of the climate accords. And so, I mean, we've taken quite a, quite a huge step backward and, you know, we're not talking about something small here. We're talking about the life of the planet, the life of your children, those types of things. And yeah, I, I think this, this is a kind of a shameful legacy that he's leaving behind. And then, I mean, I'll, he just got to throw COVID in there too, because, uh, you know, it was poorly managed, granted, unprecedented pandemic, understand that, would have been a challenge for anybody, even you, Drew, would have been a challenge <laughs> for anybody to handle, but uh, completely mishandled, continues to be mishandled, and it's cost jobs, it's cost companies, it's, it's cost, you know, the food service sector, it's cost a lot of people uh, their lives, obviously, so um, we don't even know the long-term implications of that yet, but they're going to be pretty staggering. Well, I think that's a, obviously that is the, the issue in the world that we're all dealing with. And, you know, I get the sense I, I, I was, um, I was out a couple days ago, um, out, you know, running errands or whatever, masked up. Um, but it really struck me being, um, downtown, uh, in, in the town where I live. There were so many closed up stores uh, and restaurants, so many little restaurants that were going to open in the spring of 2020. Um, you know, I think we've been saying this since the spring that it feels a little bit like we're in this um, kind of limbo area. And I think a lot of people feel that. Um, it's interesting. Uh, Rachel will be on a little bit later. Um, she just wrote a story about the, the PPP loans, the, the paycheck protection program loans. And, you know, I think it's, it's easy to forget that that did buy some time. 
Um, there's flaws in that program, and we'll we'll talk about that program. But um, it, or, well, you'll you'll read about it when when you see her story. Um, but um, but for the most part, it really it did the trick. It really really helped um, companies and individuals get through a period of time. Now that's gone. That that ended. Uh, the, um, there's no sign, uh, that there's going to be a deal on another bailout package anytime soon, you know, obviously not one happening before the election, how the election, how things go after the election, who knows if Trump wins, he may be emboldened to really, uh, really, um, get belligerent about policies and toward Democrats. If he loses, probably the same thing. Um, so I don't know if it, it's going to be a, I'm going to take my my toys and go home situation, or if we can expect to get um, you know some additional help. But it just strikes me that we have not cycled through and felt the pain yet, particularly in the food service sector. Um, and I think you know, obviously, Trump's uh, lack of leadership on the issue. It's it reverberates around the globe because we we certainly could have had a more coherent global response, which probably would have um, helped avoid the massive spikes that we're seeing in other countries as well. Um, you know, typically that's how uh, the United States has behaved in the past, and um, there's no question this has been um, an absolute uh, disaster in in handling it. And I I don't care what side of the political spectrum you're on. Uh, I think that you can objectively uh, you can objectively say that, and in fact, polls show that that most of the country believes that. But um, so so that said, I don't know that the the companies that are reliant on food service, um, I I don't know that life gets better for them, no matter who gets put into the White House. Um, I don't know. I mean that that's that to me is is almost a um, yeah, I guess it'll have to do with with what types of action is taken on a federal level to get the pandemic under control. And I personally feel like a Biden administration is going to be more likely to come up with a national coherent strategy for that. But um, still, a lot of a lot of questions, and, and we you know, there's no way to uh, to to hurry up a vaccine despite Operation Warp Speed. Vaccines, it's not about putting in the hours it's it's far more complex than that yeah and i mean you know trump believes that we have come through the pandemic uh, that it's over uh, okay uh biden on the other hand uh says you won't fix the economy until you fix the virus i don't think anybody would disagree with that restaurants close because too many people go in there and we have a, a spreader event, a super spreader event. Well, you you can't open a restaurant then, period. I mean, until you either have mass vaccination or some other solution, it's just not going to happen. So, I mean, I would <laughs> I would generally go with the person that really sees the problem for what it is rather than somebody who wants to see the problem for what they like it to be. And in his case, he'd like it to be over. But, you know, you don't wish it away all you want. Ain't going away. You got to you gotta combat it, man. You got to stand up and fight it, you know. 
Yeah, uh, it's going to be very, very interesting to see what happens. Obviously, we're all on tenterhooks kind of wondering what the result is going to be. It's going to, as I said, it's going to be a long, long, long five days, uh, a <laughs> long five nights. And, uh, and it's, it is, uh, it is remarkable. Um, my, my fervent hope, and I think it's every person's hope is that, uh, whatever happens, whoever gets put into the white house, um, that, that they can find a way to get, uh, to get the, uh, to get the pandemic under control. And then I, you know, I, I do hope there is, uh, and maybe I'm just too optimistic of a person, but I do hope that on the other side of this, that there may be a, a, a pent up, uh, a pent up spirit of inter- innovation, not just in the United States, but around the world where, you know, sometimes not being able to do things um, can inspire you to, to want to, um, to, um, to go out and find, uh, find new things, new frontiers. And there's a lot of people with a lot of talent that are sitting around um, wondering what to do next and looking at the, the landscape and seeing ways to reshape the future. And that's, that's really exciting. They're probably a lot long, younger than you and I, John. So well, we're going to be I looking was... to the next generation, your kids or my kids to, um, you know, to come up with some of these ideas, but um, you know, but I'm, I'm optimistic. Um, yeah. I was just going to say on a final note for me, I mean, I believe, and I'll put a dollar down on it now that, um, this is the last uh, election where you'll see old men basically, you know, running for office in the sense that I think even it doesn't matter who wins, Biden or Trump, the following election, we're going to see young, younger people, young, you know, you got to be 34 or whatever it is, but we're not going to see 70 year old men anymore. Uh dueling it out for the presidency i think this is the end to that i'll be excited to see if i'm right you know <laughs> but i that, that's the way it feels to me no i absolutely agree this is the this is kind of the end of an arc here um and sort of the the new demographics and um and, and in many ways the future is upon us so you're right um and that's exciting um i think that's a, a positive thing there's a lot of problems but um you know the there's a lot of opportunities there and certainly in seafood to bring it back to that and that gives us our stopping point for this episode so you can find more of the seafood news that matters on interfish.com visit us there you can sign up for our newsletters there you can track us on social media there's a lot of ways to engage with us, and we want to hear from you. So drop a line, editorial at interfish.com, if there's things happening in the industry that you think we should be covering, analyzing, or looking at. We are going to have a lot of post-election coverage, so stay tuned for that. We'll have reacts from people around the world uh, to what uh, a Biden or Trump win means for the sector. So make sure and check us out uh, on Interfish. We'll be tracking tweets and keeping you up uh, on everything that you need to know uh, about how this election is going to affect your business and affect the industry at large. Also, to distract you from the election day and the waiting, we will be having our next Interfish Digital event. We are partnering up with Biomar on that to discuss fish feed and its impact on the aquaculture sector, on fish health, 
uh, and just how important that uh, that segment is to uh, the seafood that ends up on your plate. So join us tomorrow. You can go to intrafishevents.com if you want to register, and you can also find more information about that on intrafish.com as well. Thanks, and we'll talk to you soon.